Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, and I am thrilled for today's episode with the one and only, the legend, Tony Gonzalez. Now, Tony is widely considered to be the best tight end ever to play the game of football. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame his first year of eligibility. He's a 14-time Pro Bowler. He holds the record for uh, receiving yards by a tight end. He was in the league for 17 years, which is phenomenal, and only missed two games. So he is really the definition of consistency and excellence over time. But what I think is really amazing about Tony is he's also, in my view, redefining what it means to be a man and to be uh, a high-achieving man. Um, And we go deep into the context of strength and performance, but also the power of vulnerability, the power of listening. And we also break into a lot of his uh, key tenets for optimal performance, what he's doing. For example, his, his belief in sleep and the power of sleep for optimal performance. Um, it's honestly one of my favorite conversations. Uh, Tony's becoming a friend, and every time we chat, I'm just amazed by uh, what he shares and how he shows up uh, as a human being and as a man. He's a father of four. Uh, and just really, really got a tremendous amount of value from this conversation, and I think that you will as well. Now, before we get into it, I want to shout out a couple of my favorite companies. The first is One Farm by Wayab. One Farm is my go-to CBD. I use their lemon drops daily, as well as their turmeric lotion. Um, They are the highest quality CBD product that I've come in contact with. Everything is organic, and not only organic, but hand-picked on the farm. And I cannot speak highly enough about the products. I've, especially in these times of anxiety, found them to be really helpful. Uh, If you haven't delved deeply into the endocannabinoid system, it's a system innate in all of our kind of biological (laughs) beings, but it helps to bring equanimity and you know, obviously I have meditation and I have a variety of routines, breath work that help me, but I'm finding CBD to be really supportive in my journey. So uh, if that resonates, I highly recommend you check them out. It's onefarm.com backslash peak. And if you put in peak mind to check out, you get 20% off your order. Again, onefarm.com backslash peak. And I'll link to it below in the show notes. Uh, This episode is also brought to you by one of my favorite sleep companies, Blue Blocks. Blue Blocks is my go-to when when the sun goes down and I need to prepare myself to get a great night's sleep, which is actually one of the things we talk uh, about in this episode. I use Blue Blocks. So Blue Blocks are my go-to for whenever I work on the computer or am preparing for a great night's rest. And we go deep into the science. I'm actually going to release an episode with the founder because I found them to be extraordinarily helpful. And I think a lot of people aren't necessarily attuned yet to how to protect yourself from uh, what I would call toxic light sources. And blue blocks are scientifically proven to do so. They're sort of best in class, uh, if you will, on the on the blue light blocking glasses and really help you set up your circadian rhythms, which are integral to your sleep. They also just released a new product, which I am thrilled about, called Lumi, which is actually a flicker-free uh, uh, light, light bulb. 
uh, and I'm going to put it in my bedroom because as we're preparing to get a good night's rest, it's integral that we don't sort of wake up our eyes with artificial blue light. So check out Blue Blocks, B-L-U-B-L-O-X, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and put in peak at checkout for 15% off your order. Again, blueblocks.com and peak at checkout. I'll link below in the show notes. And without further ado, it's my great pleasure to introduce the one and only Tony Gonzalez. All right, I'm here with my man Tony Gonzalez. Tony, it's uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, for context for those listening, uh, Tony and I met at a mutual friend's birthday party, uh, Vishen Lakani, and uh, we dropped in. Must have been. I don't know. We had we had definitely went for a little while, and it was one of the more inspired conversations I've had. Uh, in the last uh, few months, it was just before the whole coronavirus uh, pandemic, which is which is still going on as we're recording this. But what, what was remarkable about it for me was obviously uh, you've ex- you've achieved extraordinary uh, results in your life. You know, considered to be the best tight end in the game ever to play. Um, but but what was remarkable about our conversation was, I think, speaking with you about your mindset as you've transitioned and. I thought it was really beautiful, sort of your humility and, and the way in which you've approached life, which I'd love to delve into. But one of the things I wanted to start to start with is, is as I went into the research and realized, you know, you, you played uh, consistently year in, year out without injury uh, for 17 years. And you had 1,327 touches on the ball uh, with only two fumbles. And Anytime someone achieves that level of performance that consistently over time, I'm super fascinated by kind of their mindset and their preparations. And I was just curious, you know, I'm sure there were many elements to your success, but what were some of the ways in which you approached um, sort of your performance such that you were able to maintain that level of consistency over time? Well, I mean, it, it didn't always start that way, by the way, too. <laughs> uh, I think when it comes to mentality, you, uh, it, it's, you know, it's always evolving. It still is evolving for me. I'm always trying to learn and trying to, to try out new things. I, I love, you know, hacks and, okay, how can I get the most out of my body and out of, out of uh, my brain, uh, out of my heart? And so uh, with, with me, my, my approach, uh, once, it start, once things started to click for me, which didn't happen until after my, you know, going into my third year, that's when it finally, you know, th- this is how you have to do it. And uh, I'll tell you a real quick story. The, the way I got to that point was my second year in the league. And I've told the story before. Uh, so people out there who heard it, they're like, here we go with the same story again. But I, I, I led the NFL and dropped passes. I dropped uh, uh, 16 footballs. And I got benched twice. Um, I was booed by the home crown, written up in the papers saying I was a bust and saying another bad pick by the Kansas City Chiefs. And I was a first-round pick, uh, and I had all these high expectations on me going into my second year. I didn't really start my rookie year, but I had a pretty decent rookie year. But that second year was a complete disaster for me. Uh, and it's the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, as I look back, it's like, shoot, I, I, I'm, I'm so grateful for that time, even though it sucked while I was going through it. Um, but off of that, I started, I started, you know, learning how to read. I mean, I knew how to read. I mean, actually like, like going out there and buying books, which was foreign to me. I was like, I never bought books to just read, you know, who does that? 
But I got into this book uh, by Vince Lombardi. I started learning about Vince Lombardi. My brother sent me this book, and I was I was hooked and learning about greatness, learning about mindset, learning about oh, this is how the people that have achieved these great things have done it. And off of that book, I started reading Jerry Rice. I started reading about Phil Jackson. I started reading about Michael Jordan. I uh, started reading about Tiger Woods. I started going. Then I started reading about CEOs of companies, and then I started getting into spirituality books. You know, that, like like Deepak Chopra's Seven Spiritual Laws of Success, and Dr. Wayne Dyer, The Ten Secrets of Happiness and Success, and started just just really learning from all different angles of it, from you know meathead football players like myself to you know enlightened spiritual gurus uh, that throughout history and time. Like, okay, what is it about them? And, you know, you start to see the underlying, you, once you read between the lines, you can start to see, okay, well, this person had unbelievable confidence. This person had unbelievable work ethic. Uh, and really for me, I never mind, it was never a problem going to work. It was a problem for me. I think it was, I didn't really, I wasn't really in love with football. Uh, and believe it or not, I always tell people, I would say maybe 30% of the NFL is actually in love with football. Maybe even less than that. 20% actually. I'm talking that that where where else would you rather be type attitude. And it's not about the money at all. It's about I, – I just love – for me, I just love catching footballs. And so uh, I had to fall in love with – and I was in – by the way, I played basketball too. And I think I was in love with basketball. That was something I would do. You didn't have to make me go practice. But football was a little bit harder for me. You know, football is hard. I mean, you're running around, running into somebody full speed with your head and, uh, and your body, you know, you get sore and you get tired. Uh, but I had to shift to, to, okay, what is it about football that I loved? And I came up with, I love running routes and I love catching footballs. And I worked on that every day. I changed my whole routine up where when everybody went in after practice, I stayed out after practice. Uh, before practice even started, I'd show up earlier and, and I get catches, like in the moment catches with my chin strap on, with my mouthpiece in and with my eyes just wide open and I'm running full speed like a game situation because Michael Jordan did that because Jerry Rice did that. You know, I always say success leaves clues and just copy genius and then put your own stuff on it. But copy them at first and then start to put your own spin on things. And I started coming to this routine. I called it the routine of greatness back then. And and by the way, I did the math. It was an extra 23 minutes a day. That I went from being and, and changing the attitude, like okay, I got to be more confident. I gotta, I gotta take more diligent notes. I gotta show up early. I gotta leave late. I gotta be absolutely consumed with what I'm doing. But then the end, it wasn't work for me. It became love for me. It was like I said before. It's like I, when I tell people when I speak to them, uh, young athletes, I'm like, where the hell else would you rather be? That's the attitude you got to have. Where you're not making me work. This, this is not work for me. I, I love being here. I'm, I don't look at me. They don't ever. I have a reputation. People are like, oh, you work so hard. I'm like, nah, nah. That wasn't. That's not hard work. And and so I so I changed it up. I caught uh, that extra 23 minutes. I would be able to catch around 150 balls a day extra. Uh, and then I would get some extra stretching in and all that stuff. And then that changed. And that was uh, that was the beginning of my of my journey and it still continues to this day of really trying to level up in every, every facet of my life. Uh, and you go through the bumps and grind and we'll probably talk more about that, but that was the beginning of it. And that extra 23 minutes, I went from getting benched twice, getting written up, written up in the papers, booed by the home crowd. I went to the first team all pro the next year and pretty much that's all she wrote. My, my career after that just took off. 
uh, and I was I was at the top of my game every year. I was always resetting goals, saying, "Yeah, you were good last year, but let's see what you do this year." Uh, there was a guy on my team named James Hasty. After that first year, I blew it up. I became first team All Pro, and he'd been there since the beginning. And he was like, "All right, Gonzalez, well, let's see what you do now. Don't be no one hit wonder." And I remember it scared the shit out of me. That really it scared the shit out of me. I was like, "Damn, what if I don't want to be a one hit wonder?" Like that, that it still sticks to me to this day. And I was like, "Okay, well, that'll never. You're not ever going to call me a one hit wonder. I'm never going to hear that crowd boo uh, for me again uh, against me, my home crowd. I'm never ever. I was so scared. It was, I was really very fearful back then." And fear is a good thing sometimes. Like, I was scared to hear those negative reviews. Uh, it eventually moved to love. But at the beginning, I was I was running on fear and anger mm-hmm. from being so embarrassed. Uh, but then I had to keep evolving. But that was how it started. It, it, I always tell people, nothing wrong with fear and anger. I mean, that'll get you up out of bed. Uh, it, it, you probably will never reach as good as you could be. And I, it still took me a little while when I really started to understand the game. Uh, it took a little while, but that was how it all started. Beautifully, uh, beautifully said, man. I, I really appreciate it because I think especially the notion of transcending fear is so relevant right now uh, amidst, you know, this this sort of pandemic with a lot of people kind of confronting fears, whether it be unemployment or, you know, how to handle this and that. And to me, uh, the notion of you of you taking it head on and realizing with small iterations, I mean, 23 minutes is not an exceptional amount of time, but yet that mindset shift, that little, that little input, but consistently over time, helping you to sort of, you know, get out of that, you know, mindset into a new mindset. I I love that, that sort of tactic for leveling up. What, what, what became sort of, what were some of the elements you had talked about sort of this notion of routine? What were some of your routines that you would, that became integral both in your playing life and, and that you sort of carry forward to this day in terms of maintaining that mindset and that, that sort of clarity of being? Uh, I think as far as on the field with, like I said, I get my certain amount of catches uh, while the defense was going, offense usually takes a break. And instead of me taking a break, I would say, okay, I'm going to get more catches. And like I said, the full in the moment in the game, uh, type type catches. In fact, I practiced the whole time because, uh, like I said, Michael Jordan did it. I heard his practices were legendary. Mm-hmm. Like it was full out. I, mean, you, I don't know if you saw the last dance. You watch like, the last dance like a oh man, I'm about it. What? <laughs> <laughs> and you see the mentality of of, a, of an assassin. You see, like, hey, they, no, we show up and we go to work, and that was what I had to shift and do. Uh, but then also one thing that I read in Sacred Hoops, a book by Phil Jackson, yeah. Michael Jordan, what they introduced to them at that time, that team, was uh, visualization. And this is something I had never really done before uh, uh, consistently and because I wanted to. Like I would do it, like, I, you know, I was a kid, I would fall asleep, I'd have a hard time going to sleep sometimes because I was constantly thinking about the game or thinking about what I was going to do the next day in the game, uh, which I believe in that. Like I tell them I have four kids, I'm like, look, you should be daydreaming about your sport, getting better at it or business or whatever it is that you're doing, that you have a passion for it. You can't help but think about it and think of ways to keep getting better. But deliberately sitting down at the end of my bed, I would do that on game day. And I'd never done that before. That was a new routine for me to close my eyes for about 20 minutes and really take myself to the game that I was going to play later that day. Uh, I'm talking where I would smell the dirt. I could, 
I could hear the crowd, the energy of the crowd. I could, I, I would, you know, I would see myself talking to the quarterback and getting the play, and then running the play. And okay, I got, I'm dipping my arm right now, and I would feel like my muscles. And they, they say now through science, as I'm sure you know this, that you know your, your muscles are firing. You're creating muscle memory while you're sitting there doing absolutely nothing, and you're getting ready for the game. So when you get to the game, you've already been there. And I was catching every ball. I was making magic catches. And it would carry over in the game, and I'd be able to do that in the game. So it's like it's like it's magic what what that visualization was doing for me. Uh, and then I started also writing. Uh, I also started writing uh, in a journal. I started writing letters to myself. You know the notes that we took during the week. You know when you're writing your plays, and we, we I mean the playbook's this thick, by the way. And you gotta you gotta remember a lot of stuff. There's a lot of nuances in just one play. People have no idea what goes into just one play. Even though it looks like, oh, well, that was a one-yard game. It's like, well, you have no idea the, the choreograph that had to happen for that just that one yard. Like, everybody being on the same page. So you write these notes, but then at the bottom, I would always write little stuff to myself, challenging myself, especially when I got good. When, when now I was the man, uh, I was like, people are coming at you. They're starting to doubt you. What are you going to do this week? How are you going to keep leveling up? Keep challenging yourself. I would write stuff like that. I'd write pride determination, commitment. I'd write that. There's a, you know, you tape your, your, your wrist. I would write that will I'd write WDPC that will determination, pride, commitment, just to remind myself during the game. Okay. Well, what I'm doing, I was constantly, you have to constantly keep reminding yourself of your greatness and where you're going and, and how you're going to get there. And that was, that was another routine. And I still do it to the, I mean, I have notes and stuff. I have just notes all over the place. Here's, Here's something right here. I didn't even know we're going to talk. I mean, you probably can't even see it, but it's a note that says humble, powerful, grateful, free, forgiving, surrendering, just to constantly leave yourself notes of who you are and what you want to be. Uh, that was another uh, thing that I started back then that, that changed everything dramatically, obviously. And it still to, to this day uh, carries me, you know, so it's good stuff. I, I, I really love that. Yeah, me too, man. I mean, so you mentioned uh, Lombardi's when pride matters and then uh, Phil Jackson's, uh, spiritual lessons of a hardwood warrior. That's one, actually one of my favorite books. Like I grew up, I think you and I are about the same age, but I grew up in Chicago. So this, this reliving, I mean, as we record this, there's not really much sports to speak of, but this last dance has been a phenomenon. But one of the things that I loved and, and you just evoked in me was that notion of how Jordan would create a get like he was at the top of his game but he would create another context in which to level up right like he would literally make up things in his head but like the other guy said about him so that he would come in with that next level of motivation which i was thinking about as you were talking about the notes to yourself sort of on your arm and i feel like i feel like for those listening i mean sometimes we need that right like i think that i feel like sometimes you know we have this notion of you know we all live out of stories some of those stories are empowering. Some of those uh, stories are not empowering. Um, but but what we focus on grows. And I feel like when we focus on the empowering stories, it, it, it creates a whole new uh, realm of possibility. So I love that, that that's one of your core practices. It also occurs to me that you're a huge student of the game and student of life. And, you know, I, I went deep on, on wide open, which is by the way, for everyone listening, you got to tune in. Uh, I, I've been absolutely loving the different episodes that you've been putting out. And a lot of the solo episodes you've been putting out. One of the things that you talked about lately, which actually got me really deeply uh, on uh, a new routine is you talked about sleep. And I know that's a little tangential. Um, but it seems to be very core to, um, to your sort of practices and routines. Tell me a little bit about why sleep, why you see sleep is so important. 
Well, I, I did it unknowingly just because it, it felt good. <laughs> Back when I was playing, I was like, the night before games, I would, well, leading up to the games, I would be like, okay, I got to get my, you know, 10 hours of sleep. And, and well, maybe not too much, but I'd, I'd at least get like nine hours of sleep. Uh, and I felt great in the games. Uh, but as I've gotten older, especially now that I've retired, uh, I've had a chance to read a great book by Matthew Walker, uh, Why We Sleep. I don't know if you maybe you've had him on your show or whatever. You should get him on. I'm trying to get him on wide open. Um, but the study of sleep and how it affects you, uh, your memory, your, your, as an athlete, for sure, your memory, your balance, uh, your decision making, uh, just overall mood. It's to me, it's the number one thing you can do. People, you know, people always talk about nutrition and health and okay, all the stuff out there to, to help you be the best version of yourself. It's like, you know what? Why don't you just get a really good night's sleep? And for the people out there too, you can tell this easily. I have four kids, like I said. Just look at your damn children. And everything I'm talking about. Whoever has kids, you know when those suckers don't get enough sleep, they are nightmares. And so. I, as a as an older person, yeah, we have coffee that can mask it for a little bit, but you're still moody, and and you see it. Like, just get a good night of sleep, and it can change everything. It helps your day go better. You're more productive. You're clearer in thought. Uh, it helps you stay skittier. Like, like, it, like there's so many different reasons uh, from an evolutionary standpoint since the beginning. This is something that hasn't changed since human beings have run around. But we haven't. We we haven't. We're not. You know, sleep isn't getting shorter. It's you get your your seven to nine hours of sleep. Everybody's a little bit different. Uh, but the people out there, you know, and I see them athletes on my team going out, burning in at both ends. It's like, yeah, you might get hot for a little while. But if you want to consistently, that's a big reason. I think I was able to play 17 years uh, and at a high, high level is because I really, really always make sure to get my rest. Uh, don't get me wrong. I did go out and have a good time. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not that guy stuck home all the time. Going, I'm, I'm not going to go out. Uh, but look at Tom Brady. I think he's a great example. All those guys, those quarterbacks that are, and, and athletes that are now playing uh, really well as they've gotten older. A huge part of their routines now is making sure that they get sleep every night. Tom Brady. I think I read somewhere that he gets uh, nine hours of sleep every night uh, during the football season. Uh, and then you you can say to yourself, well, that's a direct correlation to why he's able to to play at 43 or 44 years old, uh, and he's probably going to be an MVP at the end of the season. So uh, I'm, I think sleep is a huge part of anybody's great routine. I love that. And you're using what are you using? Uh, using an aura ring or something to actually uh, to measure the depth of that sleep, like the REM and and how how effective? Because I feel like. There's quantity of sleep, which I've gotten super tapped into. I had a guy on, uh, Dr. Michael Bruce, who, who was interesting. So I said, I, I had seen it sort of in the research. You're like, yeah, I'm going to bed about 1030, waking up regularly around 730. And I was like, okay, I like that. What he, what he had actually said was one of the key things was if you were to do one thing as it talks about, as you talk about sleep, it's actually having a consistent wake up time. So like yeah. at, above, above anything else. And so now where I'm going when I listen, to, for example, to your episode, it's like, all right, I want to actually start measuring the quality of, of that sleep, not just the quantity of the hours, but how deep am I going during this time? Because, you know, when you talked about like before games, I think you said something, you, you'd go like you, you'd sleep extensively. Like if you're going out, like you go, you, correct me if I'm wrong, but you go out sort of midweek or Thursday or whatnot, and then you make sure that like you had sort of a cycle 
uh, to the way in which you were preparing and making sure that you had, you know, really on point sleep the night before a big game. And I feel like I just did research and found uh, the military actually is now using sleep as one of their core uh, key performance indicators. So it used to be they would actually say they're actually saying not having enough sleep is as deleterious as actually being like ostensibly drunk, like on a case of beers. Like it's like that imperative to your to your performance. So I'm like. Uh, yeah, when I when I listened to it, I was like, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get the ore rig. I'm gonna go deeper." Um, are there other f- factors aside from sleep, like uh, you, morning routine? Like, what what are some of the other uh, elements that you found to be integral to to the way in which you maintain that sort of leveled up peak performance? Uh, I think now um, it's meditation. Uh, I've always wanted to meditate uh, throughout even my career. I, I, I meditated every, you know, it wasn't consistent with it. I did the visualization uh, a lot, and which is kind of sort of a, a meditation to me, yeah, for sure. But now, but now consistently, uh, every morning I meditate. Uh, the first thing that I do before I get out of bed, I don't even, I don't even open my eyes, mm. uh, and I try to sleep without an alarm. I know people are like, "Well, I got an alarm or whatever." Um, uh, but the first thing when I wake up, I don't open my eyes. I just keep my eyes closed. And then I'll go into this, this kind of visualization meditation where I'll be conscious of, of the breath for about, you know, two or three minutes, try to drop in. And then I will start just trying to get down to that subconscious, uh, that, which is what governs your decision-making 95% uh, for, of, of your decisions come subconsciously. I mean, you're, we're all, we're all on autopilot. It's just how we work as human beings. And so you want to, that's why it's so hard to make a change. You can't, everybody knows what they need to do to get better, but the hard part is execution. Uh, and so I find that this really helps the execution for me where I don't even have to think about it. When I can see my day going the way that I want it to go, uh, when I can tell myself that I'm, that I'm powerful, that I'm compassionate and really feel it and really feel the happiness, the joy uh, the gratitude for my family and for my job and for what I have and for what's coming, getting out in front of like, like thankful for all these good things that are come that I have. And then for what is coming, you open yourself up and it's, it's another thing. It's like, a, it's like magical that you can invite stuff. It's as like, we talk about, you know, Bishan or the party that we met at, it's like you bend reality. Uh, athletes do it all the time. Great people that achieve great things. This is why I love studying people. You see all the time, the little whether you agree with what they're with what they're talking about or not, um, the, whatever subject they're, they're like business people or, or it's the president of the United States or whatever, whether you agree, there, there's little things that you're like, OK, well, what is it? Why are they in the position that they are? What underlying uh, emotion are they putting out there? That confidence, yeah. that certainty, uh, that that um, maybe it's an ability to listen, to learn, to keep to keep leveling up. And I think. That's that's what that med- morning meditation does for me. And I do it at night as well. And sometimes I'll do it in the middle of the evening. I'll take about five, ten minutes just to come into my office, close the doors, and close my eyes and just get centered again. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I love the the notion of visualization. I actually found a lot of Olympic athletes uh, do, do the visualization as well. And that's something. So my background, I studied uh, uh, Vedic meditation and before that vipassana meditation so the breath work in the vedic obviously is a little bit more oriented towards the mantra or the sound but when i lived in sri lanka i was i was 19 years old and that that tuning back into breath 
you know, they would call it finding center. It was so central for my ability over time in stressful situations to come back sort of home, if you will. Um, and I love that you're doing that sort of throughout the day, uh, from, from, from morning to evening, as you think about, uh, you know, sort of these various practices, one of the, one of the, the, the inquiries that I had as I was doing my research was, you know, you, you had talked about, you know, sort of moving obviously through the NFL and you talked about year three, that sort of, that kind of being that a a critical moment that led you as you evolved and, and was, was sort of a defining moment in your career, which you shifted from. And you talked a little bit about that. Talk a little bit, if you can, about the transition, because I know for many, you know, football, if especially at the level of success that you achieved, become sort of the, 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 the paramount aspect of their identity, right? It's like, that's the thing that, um, forever is, is the way that people see you. But I imagine, you know, you, you're still a very, you're still a young man, you know, in many regards. And obviously you've now transitioned into broadcasting, but, um, how did you, how did you approach going from extraordinarily successful in one field and, and start to think about, and what was your mindset like as you moved out of the game of football into this next chapter of life? Well, you know, for me, I had the broadcasting job waiting for me. So I knew that that was going to be my next step. Step, And, uh, um, and kind of honestly, this, I, it's, it's like I forgot who I was. Hmm. Uh, and, and, and I went through a, like a depression. I've told people, like, it was... You know, from an outside looking in, I was I was happy, but at the same time, I just wasn't. I just didn't feel like I was being me. I didn't feel like I was. Uh, I didn't feel that warrior type mentality anymore. Like I can conquer and I can. It's because I'm starting over again, uh, and I think that's what happens anytime you start something new. You know, you're you're. This is why I think a lot of athletes struggle when they make that transition. Eighty percent are divorced or uh, or broke. Uh, within two years. And I think that's, that's just because first of all, we've never been there. We've never done that before. We, we, we played this sport since we were little kids, since we're little, little kids. Uh, this is all we've ever known. And I don't care how much money you have. Uh, when you make that transition, you're still going to be a little, a little, you're, you're the, you're the little fish now. And, uh, and you're trying to make your way. And for me, I was, and this is for most of them. Now there's outliers out there that maybe that can make that transition for the most part. Uh, I know that I'm part of that group that was just, you know, like my, a chicken with my head cut off and I'm trying to learn and you're falling on your face and you're getting told that, okay, it's not good. Or you're just not feeling comfortable even from the outside. Let's say you're not even getting that. You just, you know, you know, whether or not you are, 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 are confident, but you know, whether or not you're, you're totally comfortable, you know, whether or not you're really loving this, uh, you can't lie to yourself. Well, some people can, uh, but for me, I, 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 have a, I have a hard time lying to myself. And so I was, I, I was, I was uh, out in Spain, and I told this story before. I was at one of Bishan's. I was going to one of his events, the first event ever. And I'm sitting there with my wife, and we're sitting in this plaza. And I started, I, she asked me about this contract that we're having coming up with CBS. Long story short, I, I started crying and my wife was like, what's wrong? And I'm like, because I, I dawned on me for sure. I was like, holy shit. What if I peaked? What if I'll never have that feeling back? And you see, and you see guys who come home from, from, uh, from war, guys and girls that come home from war that now have to transition back into society. They're, and they, they, they ask to sign up. They did three tours 
over in war and now they're signing up to go back for a fourth one and people are like from the outside are going are you crazy like what are you doing and they're like you don't understand it's not about going to war it's just that's where i belong that's where i feel like i'm totally me it's where i'm around my tribe the people that understand me and as athletes we lose all that it's gone it's it's there and then it's just gone the next day and so you have to learn how to how to find your tribe uh you have to learn how to get comfortable again and it's gonna suck that's what I tell a lot of these guys. I'm like, look, you can, you're kidding yourself. If you think it's, you're going to start back over. It's like learning how to ride the bike or learning anything. You're going to fall off a lot, uh, learning how to ski or whatever it is. Like you're going to fall. Uh, you're going to feel like quitting. You're going to go through this depression. You're, you're going to start playing, you know, but that's where I always tell people like really try to find a good routine. Like the meditations, uh, go to conferences on, on where they're truly uh, do a Tony Robbins or do a B Shin or or do a Michael Trainer like like do something that's going to get you going in that mindset just so you don't have to go through the shit so long. But remember too, be grateful for that shit. I always say because that's the fertilizer. That's you're going to look back and go, this is great because it's the best thing for me. When I went through that depression, once I finally gave up, it's like okay, now I can start growing. Now I can start re putting the the pieces back together uh, and and become great again at something. Uh, and that's. That, that was my journey, and, uh, and uh, I, I, looking back on it, like I said, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really – it was like that, that third year in the NFL for me. It was my third year in broadcasting that it was like, okay, now I can get into who I really am, whether you like it or not, because I don't care anyway. Before I cared, I cared so much about the opinions of others. Now it's just like, okay, I'm getting back into my own greatness, my own power, knowing that I got this. And if you don't like it, I don't care because I'm not doing it. I'm doing it because I, I get joy and I love it. And there's no other place I'd rather be. That's, that's how I feel about my job now and how I feel about life. I love that, man. Uh, yeah. Just getting back to that sense of being at cause in your own life, as opposed to add effect to what everyone thinks or it's talking about. And I feel like there's kind of golden handcuffs to that a little bit, you know, like I imagine the adulation and the, you know, the, the, the identity that comes with, um, you know, being heralded. I mean, football, for example, is religion in this country, you know, so it's like to go from being an exalted figure, I mean, I, in a very different way, but for me, you know, leaving Global Citizen, which was a platform that we had built that became, you know, very iconic in its own right. For me, it was the same thing. It was like, okay, well, hang on. That was my identity. You know, it was like, okay, this is, this is, this is my baby, you know? Um, but you know, and I like the fact that you actually talked about that notion of belonging in your tribe and brotherhood, because I've been thinking about that a lot uh, amidst this kind of notion, this quarantine that we're in. Um, you know, it's interesting. I had invited you to a, in a group of men to this dinner party prior to prior to this whole thing uh, shaking up, because I've been reading a lot of books about uh, tribal societies. And I don't know if you've read uh, Tribe by Sebastian Younger, but if you haven't, I'm yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say, I was gonna say okay, good. Um, but that notion, I think, of like you said, whether it be athletes, uh, whether it be military, you know, I think we're so hardwired, and we're seeing within nutrition this movement around sort of primal nutrition and getting back in, in terms of in tune with the human biology, but also the human psychology is oriented towards that tribal reality, right? It's like not even talking about the politics of war. But being in a place where you have someone that has your back and you're willing to die for them and they're willing to die for you, I don't know how you go from that level of camaraderie, of brotherhood, of shared purpose 
in in a war zone, right? Well, of course, you'd go back for uh, for two or four, and then come back and you know go to Walmart and and try to reintegrate into society and think that in one day you're going to go back to to that life. So I think um, I think a couple things. One, I think it's so powerful to talk about that notion of how do we find that sense of tribe or brotherhood. But I think ostensibly it also comes down to no matter what you're set and setting, how do you sort of also find that shift within? Because sometimes we have to shift, we have to shift the context of where we're building our tribe. You know, if you're in the military, you may have, you know, once you're, you know, decommissioned, you've got to find tribe back home. Or if you're an athlete and you shift arenas, you know, you're finding that identity, that, 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 that sense of tribe in, in, in new places. Um, now that you've shifted into broadcasting and I know, and I don't know if, if you, you know, to what degree you've shared this story. I know also when we talked last, you know, you're now, you know, you're, you're, you're doing Fox. I mean, you're, you're, you're at the penultimate of broadcasting, but I, I know when we spoke last time and I don't know to what degree you've, sh- you've shared this, there was also a p- point where you, where things were actually good. Like you built them from that depression to good, but taking the step, which was, more aligned to what your version of great was also took a bit of courage. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's, there's, there's another piece right there. There's, there's, there's sort of coming out of depression, but then there's, I think a lot of people get in that golden handcuffs where it's like, things are good. They're, they're good. But, but how do I, what, what do I do to take that sacrifice to go for my version of great? Not what other people think is great, but my version of like, okay, I'm going to take a stand for what I really want. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's, to me, the show that, that I do, Wide Open, and I bring on people that have, uh, movers and shakers, I call them, the people that have done some amazing stuff, like Snoop or Tyson or, or Strayhand or, or Jessica Alba, like the people that have achieved some real high-level success. Uh, and I try to read between the lines and see, okay, what, is, what, what are they doing? What, why, how do they go from, okay, well, David Spade, for instance, okay, you're, you're a good comedian now, but... No, you want to do movies. You want to go global. Like you want to be. You want to take it as far as it can go. Uh, and I think for me, that's where that comes into every year, like I did when I played football. I'm back to that that mindset where it's like, shoot, you thought what I did last year was good. That's first two months ago, but wait till you see what I'm going to do this year. I always, always firmly believe that I can. There's always room to keep getting better, and I think that's part of the. A lot of a lot of people will look at that and go, "What are you?" Some some a lot of humans uh, people will go, "That that's I don't want to be in that mindset." Or why can't you just be happy with what you have? Uh, I've never I've always been like that's part of the human spirit is to keep trying to take it further and to keep trying to get better and better and better. Uh, uh, Michael Jordan, The Last Dance. It's like no, I I, I can't. I want another championship, and and for me. I always keep reevaluating and looking for ways to keep trying to get better because nobody has it perfect. Nobody. And it, it's, it's unachievable. That's part of the human experience. That's why we're here is to, that at least my belief is to keep asking that most in, in, important question to me that you could ever ask yourself uh, and be absolutely honest when you answer this question is whatever thought process, whatever you believe in, uh, is how's that working out for you? And at least I ask myself that all the time. How's that working for you? Oh, you're this religion. Well, how's it working out for you? Are you thriving? Are you, are you having great relationships? Are you, do you keep finding that joy and getting better? Are you, are you, are you helping other people? Like whatever it is, I don't care if you're a, a Democrat or a Republican, how's it working out for you? 
some people get stuck in tradition and saying, well, this is the way it's got to be. And I think that comes to success. It's like, no, it's, it's, we keep taking it further and further and further, uh, at least for me, until the day I don't ever, re- I'm never going to retire. That's what I tell myself. It's, I'm not going to sit around and just not do anything. Like, I always want to keep doing something to keep trying ways and to keep reading books, uh, to keep looking to people like yourself, to keep learning and growing, because that's what it's all about to me. I mean, couldn't have said it better. I feel like it's life is all, it's, it's that growth mindset, right? That Carol's Wick. Like, uh, right. a lot of people have that, like, the fixed mindset of like, okay, if I figure it out, it was interesting. I had a mentor and we're both right at, I'm 43. I think you're, you're similar, approximately similar. And I had a mentor when I was in New York building global citizen, extraordinarily successful private equities investor. And he was like, you know, I've seen guys, um, either settle into life. Like they hit their early mid forties and they're, they're like, okay, this is what life is. And they just kind of coast. They're like, all right, I'm going to put it on default. Or he said, you can, you can choose to see that as a springboard. Not that you haven't been growing from there on out, but you're kind of in a new phase of life. And, you know, it's like some people call it like that midlife crisis. He's like, but that, that, that can be a catalyst as you talked about, right? It's like, oftentimes there's an existential quandary that comes for me. It just came in the form of the passing of my father, which happened about a month ago. And it was a real, like, for me, it was a real shift into like, okay, what do I truly value? And what, and, and now like, how do I want to live this second half of my life? Because seeing what I truly care about, which was exemplified for, for me, for example, my father, who, who, who was very successful at business, but also would show up to my games, you know, like he made he made being a family man, being a father, like very integral to it. And I, and I was like, okay, well that family, I want to play very prominently in this next chapter. And so going back to what my mentor had shared, it was like, all right, you can, you, you know, you, at each phase in life, it's always how do you find the springboard to that next chapter so that you can exponentially level up? And that's what I love about as I delve deeply into Wide Open, actually. I mean, I was listening to you and Strahan and you and Alba and all these amazing folks. What I loved about that is here are all these people that are that are basically top of their game. And I don't think any one of them said that they were they were done like they were like sitting back in the, in the lounge chair retired you know it's like that fallacy of the american dream aspect of like once you like there's some arrival and once you get there everything is gold and glory you know and, and that's why i love talking to folks like yourself who's best in class and yet at the same time still hungry like hungry for whatever that next and you may shift arenas you may you know it's like like kind of like jordan did right jordan was like I got three championships. I'm going to try baseball, you know? And, and part of that was also catalyzed by his own father's passing. And he was like, you know what? I want to, I want to head into a different arena. And then once he did that, then it was challenging enough to head back in and win three more. But I love that. I love that mindset of, of growth orientation. One question I want to ask is beyond the professional aspect, you know, you mentioned four kids as a father and as a, as a husband, as a family man, how do you look at, you know, how do you look at, def- and I don't know if define success is the right way to put it. How do you look at uh, showing up as a man as it relates to this chapter in terms of having four kids at home, having a wife? Like, what does it look like to you? Because I think my, my sense is masculinity is kind of redefining itself. And I would definitely put you in the paradigmatic male category. But at the same time, I think you define, you, 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 you break the mold of many of the traditional uh, definitions, if you will. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, you're right. That that old school, you know, my dad's from the old school. 
uh, my biological <laughs> where you know his father, my, my grandfather's from was uh, uh, Portuguese descent, yep. uh, Cape Verdean, uh, raised in in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Uh, you know, not not hugging the kids type deal. Uh, very. I remember when I was um, I was I was on a trip for I, mean, I was a little kid. I was probably like five or six years old, and this is my me and my brother. We were going to go visit my my granddad who lived in Detroit for the summer. So, anyways, we're leaving for about a month and a half, two months. And my parents, they walk. It was just us. We were going to fly by ourselves. So the parents get to walk you on, and, and my brother's only a year and a half, two two years older than me. And so we're sitting there, and I remember my, my mom gives me a big old hug, and it was the first time I ever left my father, like first time ever. And so he, I, I like went in to go give him a hug, I think, and, and he puts his hand out and gives me the, okay, handshake, and shakes my hand as a, as a six-year-old or whatever, five-year-old. Uh, and I, but that's where he's from. That's that, that old-school mentality guy. Uh, now, looking back, it, and then, by the way, he's still very similar to that a little bit. Um, but for me, as, as, as we keep trying to get better and better, at least I think it's trying to get better and better, where now I see my sons and I'm all over. I'm like hugging and kissing them and like, I can't get enough. I'm like, dad, dad, get off of me. Uh, it's, 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 it's different change. And for me, what you asked about masculinity, I think what masculinity is, is, is being able to, to, to do stuff like that, to be, affection to be vulnerable you know maybe i'm sure maybe they had reasons for that the old school way of doing things uh that and that's one a big pet peeve of mine is not being open-minded to change not not at least listen whether you agree with it or not uh but i do think that being forgiving is a huge part of being masculine now being able to say hey i was wrong uh i'll sit here and listen to you uh being able to say hey i really don't know everything now, and I work hard to try to learn as much as I can, but at the same time, you can never know everything. And so don't approach things with that closed-mindedness. You know, it's very uh, stoicism or Buddhism or that, that type of thought process. Like, you know, your cup, the, the old story of the, the Buddhist, with, with the, the mentor with the cup, where uh, the, the master, the, the student asked the master, you know, ask him a question. And before the master can even answer, he's answering the own question. Well, this is what I think. Hey, what do you think of this? Well, this is what I think. A lot of people ask questions like that instead of really trying to understand. And I think that's something that we all have to do, especially, not even especially as men, especially just as people. I don't care if you're a woman or a man. Like, let's let's be vulnerable. Let's be patient. Let's be forgiving. Let's be humble about what we do. You don't, and don't confuse being humble with being weak. I used to confuse that. I used to confuse the shit out of that. It's like, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, you know what? They got the best of me today. Or, you know, I like, wasn't on my game today, but I'm going to come back tomorrow. And I guarantee you, I'm going to come back and I'm going to try and whoop your ass. That's all. <laughs> but also at the same time, I know that I can get my ass kicked and I'm OK with that. And I don't have to be the loudest voice or the biggest person in the room. I'm a, it, it can be whatever it is. So that that's stuff that that I try to teach. I have two boys and two girls. Uh, the boys, I'm always telling them, don't be afraid. Speak up. Speak your mind. Don't be afraid to give a hug. You know, if you want to give your friend a hug, give him a hug. Like, let's 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 be open minded about that. And uh, and you, but you see a lot of the old school guys, uh, a lot of those guys in position of power too. Like it's that that old mentality that I hope is kind of going away at this point. Hopefully, uh, people are waking up and saying, "Hey, there's nothing wrong with saying I'm sorry. Just a simple damn I'm sorry." Or, "Hey, I really don't know what I'm talking about right now. Can you help me out and educate me?" 
you'll learn so much more. You'll be so much happier. Uh, and I think it can only help yourself, which then you can turn around and help other people. Yeah. So beautifully said. You, you actually did a whole solo episode, which, which I guess is a bit of an acknowledgement. I, I feel like, you know, I have, I have some deep forgiveness, I think, as many, as many of us do, uh, to, to, to do. And I've been in process around it. But you did a, an episode around forgiveness where you talked about, for example, a business partner who had uh, who had cheated. You know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but had, had been, you know, basically cheated you. It sounded like out of you know a not insignificant amount of money, uh, very, wow. very significant amount of money. And you talked a little bit about your process with that, and um, you know, you, without making this about me, I just I, I had some some tra- traumatic situations happening when I was young, and I also had a business partner that. Uh, it, let's just put it didn't didn't work out so well didn't didn't honor their words so to speak uh, and cost me quite significantly and hearing you talk about that and your practice around forgiveness I thought was uh, I haven't heard that many people speak about forgiveness in the way that you spoke about it for the benefit of those listening because I know one of the great aspects of, of a growth oriented mindset which you exemplify is I think that ability to let go of right to turn that that shit into fertilizer for for lack of a better term yeah yeah and i love that you love that you shared that actually i I, this is an aside but i actually studied with a a mayan shaman and he said that pain is the horse that beauty rides and he said that you know you're the greatest challenges you face in life are the greatest impetuses for your growth he said basically that that all that shit is spiritual compost for new beginnings. And, and when I listened to you and you said actually the same thing where you were like, yeah, shit. I jumped down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you, you tuned it down. And I was like, yeah, but I resonate with that. Talk to me a little bit about how you've been able to forgive, for example, the context of your business partner. What is your, what is your forgiveness practice look like? Because I know a lot of people out there, including myself at times, can get stuck in a victim mindset. And I think that, that that is one of the greatest gifts you can give people is, is, is supporting them to forgive. Yeah. Well, as I said in, in, in the, the solo podcast, I mean, first of all, a lot of people think, and I think we're inundated with it, with, uh, with television that, you know, you got to get revenge. You got to get some payback. The music talks about it. Uh, and like I said, I was no different growing up. I'm going to get some payback this time. Uh, but that's, you know, you can't take the poison uh, thinking it's going to kill your enemy, you know, because that's what it does. You're only hurting yourself when you can't forget. You're only – I remember playing football games where a guy would give me a cheap shot or something like that when I was younger, and I'd spend the rest of the game trying to get even with him, and it's taken me out of my game. Mm. So I got to a point when people came up and started talking trash, I wouldn't even talk back to them. Like, you can say whatever you want. I'm okay. I'm going to stay focused in my game because that's what that stuff does. That's what forgiveness does. It takes you off your game and what you're going after. It is really a self-defeating emotion, and it needs to go. Uh, concentrate on your game and what you're doing and being the best version, and everything will take care of itself. Might not. And, and if, for me, it's like, you know what? I don't, I don't I let the universe take care of that, that stuff uh, with my ex-business partner. I don't care, and I don't wish him harm. But at the same time, like over there, if I saw him and you can truly, truly forgive, now you take that burden off your shoulder. Uh, and I know that it's it's really, really tough, too, uh, because, you know, you grew up with an abusive father or mother or something tragic happened to you and you got burned. Uh, it burns. It hurts. And you want the payback. That anger feels good sometimes. And I get it. The anger feels good. In fact, that's I, I talked about the podcast. That's a great way to start. 
Start with anger. Don't go to shame. Don't go to guilt. Those are even weaker emotions. At least anger will get you out of bed and get you out there. Like I said, my, my going into my third year, I was driven off of anger. I was pissed off that they, I was so embarrassed. And I was like, I never want to feel like that again. I never, ever, ever want anybody to look at me and think that I'm weak again. Uh, that's what it was about at the beginning for me. But then you move into, you move past that. Now you can move into, now you really enjoy what you're doing. When you don't have those emotions, now the game or the business or whatever you're in is so much better. Because there's plenty of people out there that are really successful that are operating off anger and they're miserable. This is why I have so many really rich, successful friends that are miserable. Miserable, miserable people. I would not change one thing with that. I would not change positions with them. I don't, you go on your yachts, go on on these trips. I don't care. I wouldn't trade positions with you because you're not happy in here. You're not happy in here. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with they hold on to that to that anger too long or that inability to forgive. And that to me, you you, you said a word that I tell my kids all the time is victim. I'm, I don't ever want to be a victim ever. Now I'm not a victim of a pandemic. I'm not a victim of, of politics. I'm not a victim of, well, of myself. Nothing ever goes, oh, I dropped two balls in a row. I'm not going to play the victim role. I'm going to get myself up, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for those positive emotions. I'm going to go for that forgiveness. I'm going to go for that, that true knowing that I got power. I'm going to go for that joy. I'm going to do it for the joy of putting smiles on my family's faces. Those are the things I start to think about. Anytime that victim uh, – you give away your power. That's what it is. You just – you just give away your power when you don't have that forgiveness. Uh, when you don't, when you hold on to that anger, you're, you're letting somebody get the bat. That's what they want. I think a lot of people that you're in a fight with, they don't want you to forgive them because once you forgive them, then you're done with them. You're done with them. But a lot of they, they want you to hold on. They want you, uh, when they when they when you say their name uh, and you get mad, they're like, yeah, yeah, I got you. Like, but if you come up to somebody and you're like, hey man, nice to see you, good to see you, how are you doing? I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. And now you take away all that power that they had over you. And by the end, they say you'll live longer and you'll be more productive uh, and you'll just be happier. Man, I love that. Living in the joy and, 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 and being uh, unequivocally committed not to being a victim, I think, is so powerful, especially right now. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, actually, because, you know, I, 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 after delving deep into Wide Open, what does wide open mean to you? <laughs> uh, well, I think it, it's, it's kind of living from, from here. And I, and I know some people like, uh, that's woo woo stuff, but it's really living to me. It's living with an open heart. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of athletes out there, I think you've heard from your coach. At least I heard it a bunch. Uh, hey, guys, we, we got to go out there. We got to play with our heart today. Play with your hearts. Heart, man. You hear that a lot. And I always, like everybody else in the locker room, like, oh, yeah, it's good, but I don't know what the hell that means. But to me, that means is that you're playing from a place of flow. You know, there's so many books written on on flow. And when you're in flow, uh, when you're wide open, that means thing, everything comes through quickly. Uh, there's nothing wrong with, with, with the anger that comes, by the way. We're human beings, the human experience. You're going to get angry every once in a while. You're going to get upset. You're going to get – you're going to have these emotions – but it goes right through you. It's wide open. Uh, you're not worried about the future. You're not worried about the past. You're, you're directly in the moment having full joy in what you're doing where it's not about money. It's not about fame. It's about just living in the moment. That's what me to me being wide open and being completely vulnerable but without fear. 
knowing that I don't care uh, about the opinions of others, about as long as I'm living from a place here and knowing that I will screw it up, I'm gonna, I might step on some toes sometime, but there's, it's never really with malintent. It's like I'm doing it because I'm in the moment. I'm full of joy uh, and I'm ready uh, to call me up, to tell me what I'm doing wrong. Uh, I think that's a, that's a, that open growth mindset. That's the, to me, that's what being wide open is. Mm. I love that. It, it reminds me actually of like the old vision of the warrior, like the Native America in, in Brazil. They say salegria, which is like only joy. But this notion of like uh, this notion of a warrior, not as someone who I think is often uh, ex- exalted in our culture in terms of the vengeance warrior, but more you know, the sort of good day to die Native American credo where it's like, I'm going to stand for something bigger than myself. And every day I'm going to live fully because I'm committed to something bigger than myself. And I'm going to live joyfully and I'm going to stand for my tribe, my, my family, my daughter, like with my, my people. And I, because I live for them and I live joyfully for them and celebrate each, I have a, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned Stoics earlier. I interviewed Ryan Holiday and I have the Stoic Creed Memento Mori, which is, you know, live as if death is on your doorstep. And to me, it's like it's, you know, in our culture, a lot of times we think of death in this like morose or somber way. But actually, as has been the case for me, having confronted it in the last month with the person I love most on the planet, it's like actually such an impetus for living, you know, and such an impetus to live in that way, I think. I love that you focus on this notion because that, that was what I sensed. Obviously, there's the football notion of being wide open, but I sensed having you know gotten to know you a little bit that that was it, it was that notion of sort of to me my own words, but like when I'm wide open, I'm, I'm living out of my heart, and it's it's that warrior creed of heart centered leadership, like a like a, a willingness to live um, all out and and not take any day for granted and be kind of all in and and I feel like you. Uh, you exemplify that, man, because I just want to acknowledge you for a minute because I feel like, um, you know, I, I don't know you ex- exceptionally well yet, but I just from the conversations we have had and the way that you show up, I mean, you're not you don't you don't rest on your laurels. Right. You, you, you're you're best in the game and next chapter. Like, let's go. Let's go. Uh, let's 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 move on to to and and a holistic view of that. Right. I think so many oftentimes we come pop compartmentalize our success but the notion of being growth oriented and family oriented and also hey you know i'm going to continue to reinvent myself uh with that notion of 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 a wide open heart and also be a stand for others to benefit from that right like which is what you're doing i think with your show i really i really admire that um and as we kind of move to wrap this up because i want to be mindful of your time i just have a, a final few questions one question that was really pivotal for me and I think it's a very growth a mindset oriented question. So I was really fascinated to hear your answer to this was I had a friend years ago ask me and it led to a, a profound transition in my life. She said, what's the one thing that if you gave it up and the one thing that if you added to your life right now would have the most transformative impact? Like if you were to take away one thing and add one thing that would like fundamentally shift uh, it doesn't have to be, you know, a final end, just like what kind of comes up for you right now. But, but what would those be? <laughs> it's a big question. Yeah. I know. I'll tell you while you're talking about it. I'll tell you for me at the time it was yeah. alcohol. So I was in New York and I wasn't an alcoholic, but you know, I was, I was successful. You know, we had built global citizen. It was like doing well and this and that, 
but I was still a single man and going out and like, you know, and so for me, I was, I was, uh, you know, drinking and I wasn't 18 anymore. So I wasn't like, I woke up the next day feeling, you know, bulletproof. So for me, I was like, you know, I think alcohol. And then the thing I would add would be like a, a loving, profound, uh, exalted partnership in the form of, of, of a relationship at the time. So, and I actually just recently, no hard rules, but I'm now seven months free of alcohol. And, and having gone through this whole pandemic sober as the day I was born, I felt like I, it actually has really served me. Um, so that was, that was my answer. But uh, it's changed now. But but it, But I thought it was an interesting question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm thinking to myself because those are those are the type of questions I try to ask myself and try to go for it. Um, like, geez. Uh, and like I did the intermittent fasting. Like that was something that I did within the last year. Uh, that that changed everything dramatically. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 are you doing that every day, or is that something where you have? I feel like I read somewhere you're doing that you're doing the daily fast, but then also you're doing also like every three weeks, like a 24 hour fast. Is that right? Well, I was trying to, that was something that I'd like to probably add. Um, probably alcohol. I think that's a good one. And I do it's something that I don't know, majority of your, your, your audience, uh, are, are they men, women? Um, it's more, uh, women, more women than men, but pretty closely balanced. And generally like 25 to 45 is the core demo. Educated. Uh, yeah. I, for me, I think alcohol uh, is probably something that I, but I don't, I don't think I have an alcoholic problem. Like yeah, you said, like neither. it's not, it, it's not something that I'm, I'm, geez, I'm really trying to think. It's probably the phone. I think, yes, I'm sure there's probably a lot of people's, uh, vice and, and the vices that we have within no phones. Uh, that's something that, you know, without getting too detailed, uh, something that I've been really working on a lot to stop spending so much time yes. on online, whether it's social media, whether it's YouTube and whether it's the, the dirty stuff. Yeah. Um, I think that's something that can be life changing. Um, and at least for me, I know that, that I've kind of put away and I'm, and I'm, and I still got a ways to go. So right now I'm going to say this, the, the, the phone, this, this damn thing, uh, <laughs> I think a lot of us could get away from that, from using it so much, really setting up some parameters and use it more as a tool instead of a thing for enjoyment. Yeah. Um, um, and then one thing I could add, I think I could add, uh, I, I, maybe a little bit more solitude, I guess. Yeah. I th- meaning, uh, I, I've always been a person that struggles with being alone. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's it's good. Like I, I read a couple books on this subject. I remember I when my uh, a couple times throughout my life, I, I've I've taken these trips to, to different countries and spent some time alone. Um, like a month at a time. And I was trying to learn Spanish and all that stuff. But uh, that was the best thing for me is to go be alone. And that's something I still kind of struggle with, that codependency on your family or your friends and just being around that, like just going back and and the the power of solitude is, I think is great. It's where great ideas come from. I mean, just go be alone for a little bit. Um, I'd like to add a little bit more of that. But being married and having four kids, uh, I think my wife would probably have a little something to say about that. Maybe, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm like, about that plan. 
but, but I respect I respect that because I just listened to a guy who I just actually just said on a podcast. I was just blown away. This guy Boyd Vardy, who lives in the wild eastern part of South Africa, and he just took forty days in a tree. Now, granted, he doesn't have four kids or a wife, but um, it reminded me when I was when I was in a in a bit of a dark night of the soul. I did a week up in a place called the Lost Coast, which is the one part of the one high, like the California coast where they couldn't build the one highway. So I did a vision fast up there. And uh, I will say you're, you're absolutely right. It's the best ideas come when you take that time. So many days? For yeah. Yeah. So I did, did a week. Yeah. Thing, it was you know, kind of like a Drew Jackson style. It was inspired for me. Retreat. Like I would for say, just, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a bit self-designed. So I didn't go to like a Vipassana. It wasn't, I have done Vipassana, but I didn't do like a 10 day solo. But I just did a straight up one week, uh, just me. I literally backpacked in. So this part, it's called Lost Coast. It's in Mendocino County. And it's the part from Mexico to Canada, the only part of the West Coast of the United States that was too rugged. So they had to build the road 30 miles in. So to get there, you have to backpack in. So I backpacked in and then set up camp uh, right off the, off, the, off the coast. And I mean, we're talking like redwood trees have washed up. I mean, it's like California coast was 300 years ago. And I sat there and I listened to the waves and I, and I would make a fire every night. And I just was in my own head, in my own silence. And I will say, um, within three days, they say it takes about three days for civilized aboriginals say it takes about three days for the civilization to sort of wash off of you. And it, 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 I did, I definitely entered into a different mindset, like a meditative mindset. My hearing was more pronounced. My, my, it, it, it fundamentally changed the way I saw things and the ideas came in, in a whole different way. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I want to do. I want to do something like that, but I'm so scared. That scares the hell out of me, but yeah. Well, Hey, man, if you ever, if you ever want to, I'll, I'll give you some, a couple places that I've, that I've got on my list for the solo retreats. If you ever, if you ever decide to do it. Uh, but that said, I also respect the fact that, you know, you're, you're holding it down for a family. I, I, I don't have that yet. And that's something I admire about what, where you are in your life. Uh, and, and, and looking to sort of elevate myself into being ready to hold that space. So, um, Man, I, I, I want to be mindful of your time, brother, but I'm so appreciative of your openness and your willingness to share, you know, with, with, with your heart, you know, uh, in, such a, in such a vulnerable way. I think it's so beautiful, especially to see what I think many would exalt as the sort of potentially prototypical alpha male, like the exalted athlete in the, in the sport that probably is the high religion of this country, to see someone also speak about reinvention, forgiveness, vulnerability, family, uh, a new version, I think, of masculinity, which I think, um, without going into the news, I think given some of the toxicity we're seeing uh, around is, is definitively needed. So I, I just want to acknowledge you for a moment and just say, man, I really appreciate the way you show up in the world. Oh, thank you, Brian. Really appreciate that. Yeah. Really good. Uh, final question. I know you're a reading man, and I know you get you and I have, t- have geeked out on some books. If you were to recommend, it could be one, but let's say three, if you were to recommend three books that you're kind of excited by or you're thinking about reading at the moment just to leave readers with something that they can go off and sort of as a, as a call to action, what would those, uh, what would those three books be? Oh, geez. God. Throughout my life, um, the books that have also books hit you wherever you're at in that life. Mm-hmm. So like that Islam Bari book, 
I don't, I don't even know how good it is because I read it about 20-something years ago now. But at that time, it was so influential on me because I needed that information. My, my soul, my heart was craving that information. Uh, and so that hit me really, really – and that was when Pride Mattered or whatever. I think that's the name of it. Uh, I think uh, Bishan's book, The Code of an Extraordinary Mind – hit me at a pivotal moment in my life. It's, it's, it's funny, you know, I, I believe, I am a little woo-woo sometimes in some areas uh, where I believe your, your soul is taking care of, the universe is, has your back. Mm. And, you know, you just ask. And I think I was open at that time, and that's what came to me, that book. Uh, the Untethered Soul was a great book. Mm. Uh, Singer. Uh, the, the, what's the, the, the guy uh, on um, Power Versus Force? Mm. Was was a great book. It hit me at that time in my life. I was in the NFL, and in, uh, Oprah Winfrey loved this book too. Uh, I think it, Hawkins is is the name of the writer, and then Eckhart Tolle's uh, A New Earth. That book hit me right in my heart, where I was like, I need to read a book like this. Um, uh, uh, there's a book out right now called Thirty Nine Things to Ignore. I think it's what it's what it's called, uh, which I which I really really liked. Or how to ignore people. Ignore anyway. It's about ignoring people. It's one of those those books basically to say this is how you become creative. Other thirty nine keys to becoming creative. Yeah. How to, to block out the noise. And then a book called Range that I'm reading right now. Uh, I know that's way more than three books, man. Uh, I, I love it, man. We got readers and Range. Actually, I saw I saw that when when I when I saw you give that book a shout out, and I actually started deep diving into the author. I'm going to go deep on that because I've been thinking a lot about specialty and generalization. Um, and that's part of what he talks about. So, um, great recommendations, um, where, I mean, wide open, first of all, let me just shout out, uh, you know, I've listened to a few podcasts, but you're, uh, you're doing great work, man. And, uh, that's, that's it. My dad, that was my dad's favorite expression. And that, that just came out of me, but yeah, you're doing great work with, with, with the show. Where can people, um, tap in and find you, uh, and, and, and your work? Well, the, the social media stuff, wide open. Obviously, if you want to see more stuff like what we talked about, uh, bring in some great guests. Uh, next 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 year's lineup should be really, really, really great. I'm enjoying it. I don't know how long I'm going to do it for, but I enjoy it. Uh, obviously, Fox and then the social media stuff, the Tony, uh, Tony Gonzalez 88, uh, whatever, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I got a whole little team that helps me um, do all that stuff. So uh, I'm getting into I'm not the – the biggest social media guy, but I'm, I'm getting into it. People tell me it's something you got to do. I enjoy it. I don't love doing it, but I enjoy it, I guess. Uh, but that's, that's another play. I, I like doing the wide open. I love these type of conversations and yeah, uh, this is stuff I could, I could talk about forever. Yeah, man. Uh, well, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it shows. All, all I'll say is I was walking on the beach yesterday in prep and like listening to you and Tony Hawk geeking out. And, and I was just like, okay, yeah. Tony's good at this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to listen to the whole library. So, uh, and also by the way, on the social media, uh, I saw you jump on TikTok with your daughter or something like that. I feel like during quarantine. So I was like, Oh man, you're, 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 you're crushing the game. I haven't even gotten on the TikTok yet, but Tony Gonzalez, um, lots of love to October and your family. And, uh, and just, man, thanks for showing up the way you do really appreciate your time. No problem at all. And, and if, if I can lead people with anything, uh, the last dance, because this is what dawned on me uh, uh, yesterday. I was thinking about this. The last dance, Michael Jordan, uh, at the end of the, at the, I think at the last episode, they asked him, hey, you could have came back and played one more year, right? Uh, and he's like, yeah, I still had some left in the tank. 
and he said a key phrase that I, I loved. It stuck out to me. It's uh, he said, uh, "Yeah, because I felt like my brain, my mind had caught up with my body." And and I was always like, and when you hear something like that, you just say, "Oh yeah," you just gloss it over. But then you really think about what he's saying there, uh, and, and and you see it all the time with athletes. And I think that's us as, as human beings in life. Like you. You have the ability. When football players come in, you see them. They're, they're big. They're strong. They're fast. I was big, strong, and fast as a 21-year-old, 22, 23, but I didn't have this. And the more you educate yourself, the more you listen to shows like like what you, the great work that you're doing uh, and Tony Robbins and Bishan or whoever, Adam Rissa Peer, the more you gather it, the quicker you're going to accelerate to catch up with all every, what your body's doing, what the physical part of your body's doing. And that's when you become unstoppable. That's when you when you cannot be contained on the basketball court or on the football field or in your business. Uh, it's really that coming, that that combining that mind, um, um, uh, body, and soul, like all of it coming together like a triangle. Like that's when life really, really takes off. And and uh, that's what I wanted to leave you guys with that because that's that was just something I really, really dug about Michael Jordan because. Uh, as, as great as he was, and he was great, uh, what made him the best player ever is it was here. Let's not make any mistake about that. And I don't want everybody, yeah, he jumped 40 inches, but there's other guys out there that jump 40. And now it's not that common. I can't jump that high. But <laughs> there are other guys out there that could do that. He's not the first person to jump 40 inches or be 6'6 or whatever it is or have big hands. Like, like But he had that mentality, and he could tell he was always constantly uh, – getting better with that, staying competitive, challenging himself. Uh, and I want people to read between the lines there. Like, watch the stuff. Don't just think the shoes and the thing. Like, read between those lines. Anyway, I just went off a little tangent. I'm sorry. <laughs> but Brother, you I can love go on a tangent any time. I mean, that's I mean, that's the name of the show is Peak Mind, and that's what I'm always trying to, uh, to emulate. And I think, look, I mean, MJ, I mean, I grew up in Chicago and, and, and in the 90s, you know, so so to me, it's like you're you're preaching I'm, I'm, I, that show uh, and, and, and just like the way you, the, also the way you talk, as you mentioned, like at the very end, episode 10, as he was talking about, yeah, I would have gone for seven. You know, and it was like, I, you know, I, almost like I was like, wow, just like that, that mindset of like, you know. There's no, there was no stopping again, that notion of there's no arrival. You know, he was, he he was like, I'm going to continue to reiterate and redefine the game because I can. And because that's just what you do, you know? Um, But yeah, that notion of, of the mindset, I feel like being the key is, uh, yeah, it's the truth, man. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Thanks for having me, bud. I appreciate it. I thank you, brother. I really appreciate it. And there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that episode with the one and only Tony Gonzalez. I just thought it was chuck full of value. I really, really love his perspective, how he shows up in the world, and you know the insights. I think they were they were really profound. So I hope you got a tremendous amount of value. If you did, please go ahead and leave us a five star rating and review on iTunes. Uh, it helps us get great guests as well as to grow this community. So it means the world to me. I know a lot of you have already done so, and I just want you to know I really appreciate it. A lot of you have also signed up for the email list over at peakmind.org, where I put out these episodes as well as additional uh, insights every week. So if you're finding value in the podcast, please feel free to sign up. 
and just sending you guys so much love, so much gratitude. You can always send me direct feedback or suggestions for guests. I'm at Michael Trainer on all social channels. And just really want to share my appreciation for you, for your time, for your energy. I don't take it for granted. Thanks for listening. Sending you so much love. Uh, please go out there and live your inspired life.